This morning, we're going to be looking together at Matthew chapter 6. If you open your Bibles, if you brought them with you, Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's the most popular prayer in all of Holy Scripture. Um, different congregations uh, in the Orthodox evangelical community pray the Lord's Prayer. So teaching of Jesus. It's a prayer of Jesus here. Of this disciples, really. John 17 is really the prayer of Jesus. But here is the Lord's Prayer. And, and we pray this prayer. And some congregations pray it on a, on a weekly basis. And uh, I was a part of a denomination and, and held credentials in that for a long time and loved the United Methodist Church. And we prayed the Lord's Prayer every week. And I love the Lord's Prayer. Something happened to me, though, because uh, anything that you do over and over and over, it tends to become rote and it tends to become ritualistic if you're not careful. And, but it doesn't negate this prayer. It doesn't negate the power of this prayer. So this morning, if you've noticed, man, Jeff led us in that great song, Manifesto is the Lord's Prayer. We're going to read the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We're going we're gonna to punctuate the Lord's Prayer for disciples of Jesus. And the church said, it's a great prayer. Now, I've prayed this prayer with athletic teams. I've prayed it with pagans. I've prayed it with believers. I've prayed it with people all over. People know this prayer. You learn this prayer when you're young. But a lot of people don't know what it means, what it says, and that it's a type of prayer, and it's a model of prayer, and it, it instructs us of how to pray. And there's six phrases that I want to look at today. You, you look at your notes, you're like, man, this is kind of simple for me, but we'll try to take you some places, maybe something you haven't learned, and try to encourage you. It's adoring God here. I'd I I write across the top of your notes. It's the prayer of blessing. It really is a prayer of blessing. It blesses our Heavenly Father. It blesses His name. And it adore God. There's three requests here. There's a physical, there's emotional, and then there's physical and spiritual needs here uh, encapsulated in this great prayer of Jesus. And it uh, just begins to speak to our hearts about what Jesus really wants us to do. Now, what I've done is there's, a, uh, uh, there's, there's two translations, and something's happening to the back screen. Let, let, me, let me see if it comes up here. Yeah, here it is from the New American. Now, I, I want you to notice something here. Uh, there's the line that we pray in the Lord's Prayer that's not in every translation. So you'll see if you're looking in the NIV, you're looking in the NLT, you won't see the very end of it. But I want you to, uh, I want you to read that with me. Will you do that? Hey, why don't you stand on your feet? This is, this is like we're speaking a prayer to God, but we're reading it if we don't know. And if we do it in different translations, you might do it a little different. But let's look together. Pray then in this way. Come on. Our Father who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. You're like, man, I already knew that prayer. That's awesome. But I forget sometimes in a community church that's filled with contemporary worship and stuff, sometimes people are like, man, I don't know that prayer. Like, I know I should. Or I don't know that. Uh, we used to have a drummer here years ago. And he, he grew up in a community church way before he got to Christ's community. He was here for a long time. And one day he goes, I love it when we sing, sing those hymnals. I'm like, singing the hymnals? We don't have any hymnals. He goes, those hymnals are so cool. 
He was talking about hymns, but he had never sung a hymn until he got to Christ community. So this Lord's Prayer, you, you, you probably knew it. But here, I'm going to give you one now here that I bet you haven't, um, you haven't read it unless you have a copy of the message from Eugene Peterson. Listen to how he says this, starting in verse 7 through 13. The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what is you want from God. They don't fall for that nonsense, though. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are, set the world right, do what's best as above so below, keep us alive with three square meals, keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. You're like, wow, I know, wow. See, we, we just go through the Lord's Prayer. We go, that's what it says? I mean, if you started taking all the Greek words out and you'd get a little more specific meaning. But I just wanted us to not run through this prayer. I want us to look a little bit differently. Now, there's three things that I'm going to talk about here at the top of your outline. I'm just going to give them to you, and then I'm going to try to talk about them for a moment. There's three kinds of prayers. There's performance prayer, okay? There's predictable prayer, and there's personal prayer. Is anybody in the room ever do any performance prayers? Go ahead. Just show me your hand. Raise your hands. Really? You don't, you don't ever do performance prayers? You're like, well, I don't stay on the stage, and I don't try to perform for others, but we do maybe with others. It's like... The Lord's Prayer is that God wants to breathe life into us. And as we resonate, as we come in alignment with Him, as we pray back to Him, He wants us to breathe life, meaning tears, laughter, rocketing. The prayer drips with meaning, with power, with intimacy, with influence. That's the prayer that Jesus wants to pray. When we pray, he wants us to be so non-distracted that we're so focused on him and his majesty and his holiness and his glory and his honor. And i got to be honest. I pray for some of these performance prayers. I'm not talking about on the stage. I'm not careful. i got some performance prayers, man. They're, they, they, they don't, they're, it's not like the ancient prayer of Jesus, this performance thing. But here, just a short, simple prayer uh, another way of performance is, have you ever seen anybody do this? They would pray a prayer and they go, how'd I do? I, I have people do that all the time. They go, hey, pa hey, PK, how did I do? You know, so I have uh, on my iPad, I grade you. No, man, who am I to grade you? But I have people ask me all the time, how was that prayer? Like, oh, man, it, it was pretty good. Or like, I mean, what am I going to do? Man, stunk, man. You know, like, you need to go back to school. You need to go to Sunday school. I never will forget, Dad and I were doing small groups many years ago in our church. And we had several couples, and we had this one couple, and the man was very knowledge, had a lot of knowledge, a lot of understanding, just brilliant. He never prayed out loud. One night, I didn't call on him. He prayed. He prayed a prayer that literally the roof opened down our house and it just ushered up. And when he got through, he said these words. Wasn't very good, was it? Wasn't very good. You're the only one. You got your prayer heard tonight. I don't think God heard the rest of ours. We were trying to get our God talk. Can y'all just be honest? Do any, any of you try to make sure that you get some sanctified God talk in your prayer? Go ahead. Give me a witness. I get in some circles and I hear, I have to go back and look at my theology books to talk about what in the rip are they talking about? 
I don't even know what that means. Well, I, I, I do know what they mean, but I'm like, like, well, anyway, I won't even try to judge them. Okay, here you go. Predictable. How many of you have a predictable fair, prayer? It's so ritualistic, you just do it over and over, and it's redundant. Now I lay me down to sleep. I'm like, oh, God is great. God is good. Or some of those great mealtime prayers. Hey, hey, if we were honest, how many of us got some of them little mealtime prayers, man? They're like, they need to go. Some of you are like, well, fine. I ain't praying with you no more. I ain't judging your prayer. I'm judging my prayer. I mean, everybody thinks I got to have a three points in a poem every time I open my mouth. I mean, it just don't work that way, you know? So, or here, here it is, the Old Testament Jews, they were ritualistic, and they thought the longer the prayer, the better. And if we throw more adjectives in there, even better. I meet people like that today. That doesn't make for a good prayer, necessarily. Jesus would say, don't babble. <laughs> don't go on and on. Get to the heart of the matter. Get to my heart. Touch me. Uh, you know, trust me. Worship me. Don't be... Uh, have the pledge of allegiance factor prayer that you just you just pray through it but your mind's and your soul somewhere else you just did it because it was perfunctory and you're supposed to do it but then there's this personal prayer and this is the lord's prayer it's very intimate it's close it's 65 66 words power packed uh it's the prayer that jesus wants us to pray not that he's telling us that he wants us to pray this prayer and we can pray this prayer this is a great prayer i don't want to make fun of this prayer it's in scripture it's god's heart but God wants us to pray prayers like this. The, the phrases of this prayer are rich. They have meaningful nuances and power. And so let's look at the very first one here. It says, our Father, which is in heaven. Our Father is in heaven. That's, that's what the prayer, it already declared, it makes a declaration. God is above. God is above all others. He's in heaven. He rules. Uh, the Old Testament Jews, they would have these memorized prayers. And when you look at... Uh, when they talked about father in the Old Testament, many times it talked to them about being the father of the nation of Israel. But then in the New Testament, you begin to read the Gospels, you see the word father 70 times. Jesus comes to bring that word to be personal, Abba, Daddy. I love when my girls call me Daddy. It's rich. How many of you dads like when your kids call you Daddy? Yeah, man, it's like, wow. Now, I get called a lot of things, will continue to be called a lot of things, but I got, okay, whatever. But I got two girls, and they call me daddy. And that stops everything. That gets my attention most of the time. I, there have been some times, daddy, daddy, aren't you listening to me? And then years ago, they learned, hey, Keith. <laughs> yeah, I got it. But there's, there's this little girl around our house, and she's starting to jabber a lot. Don't understand her words, but I understand and the day she says pop, it's all over. Okay, anyway. I'll talk for her now. So you wait till your father. Hey, here, here's one. Some of you, I, I want to say, you know, our father who is in heaven. But I want, to, I want you to know, here's something we do. Women, I just want to tell you something. You, some of you, I know you didn't mean to. I know your mama didn't mean to. Your grandmama didn't mean to. Maybe she meant to. Maybe she was mean. I don't know. But here's the line we've got to take out. Wait till your father gets home. He's going to beat the fool out of you. Come on, y'all. Hold on. I got people back here in the study. They're scared of Father God. They have, they've been abused. There's been bad concepts. They've been told different things. I'm telling you, our Father in heaven is good. He's a heavenly Father. He knows how to give good gifts. Amen? He's a great God. 
And I love it, man. And that's, he's the one we want to model. We want to follow after him. Four benefits is praying here as Father. Look at it quickly. We see God as Father, and we're stunned by his character. He's stunning. His character has no reproach. It's, it's perfect. It's, it's beautiful. He, uh, he's the awesome ruler of the universe. I heard a story about a little girl in California. She went to school one day. Her name was Diane. Neat little kid. And people had figured out who she was, but she didn't know who she was. And they said, Diane, she says, have you ever seen Mickey Mouse? Oh, yeah, Mickey Mouse. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, we love Mickey Mouse. And then one of them found out that her last name was Diane Disney. She says, Diane, do you know, do you know who your daddy is? I said, yeah, I talked to him this morning. His name's Walt. Walt Disney. She says, your dad is the one that created Mickey Mouse in Disneyland. That is your dad. She goes, no. I didn't know. She came in and she her arms around it. He said, Dad, you didn't tell me. You're Walt Disney. He says, no, I'm your daddy. <laughs> you know what? Some of us treat the father like that. He's our dad. He's our heavenly papa. And I can only imagine. Can you imagine Diane the day that she found out that her dad was Walt Disney? She just thought, I'll call him daddy. Okay, I know him. I am your papa. Second thing here. I can be satisfied because he sustains my longings. I don't know if you're a person of satisfaction. You're satisfied where Christ has you. You're satisfied with your life. Not complacent. You're moving. But he sustains your longings. Your needs are met in him. You look to him to have your spiritual and physical and emotional and relational and financial needs met. That's what sustains us. It's so important we get satisfied there. I like what Ephesians 3.14, it says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. I was on my knees early this morning in this study and I was thinking about what the privilege it is as a Christ follower to kneel before the God of heaven. And I don't go, oh, thy great creator, sustainer, sovereign king, and he is all that. But I just went, Papa, Daddy, Heavenly Father. I love you. I beg and I bow before your throne today. You don't break promises. You don't change. Oh, God, you're not grouchy and moody. Can y'all imagine if our God was moody? Wouldn't that be scary? Is anybody in the room moody? Yeah, he's not. Our God is constant and he's loving. He knows how to give and he's beautiful and he doesn't disappoint. And the third point is this. You can be secure by... Because he will never let you go. I love that. It's the love and the security of Christ being identified in Jesus. He doesn't let you and me go. He doesn't, we can't be snatched from his hand when we're in Christ. This grip you have on salvation has been sketchy, but God has says, You are mine. You are chosen. I've adopted you. I've grafted you into my family. And I won't let you go. Can I hear a big amen right there? God doesn't let go of you. Maybe your earthly father, maybe he was messed up. I'm sorry. Maybe your earthly father departed. He left. I'm sorry. But your heavenly father doesn't let go of those who are his. He holds on to you. You're secure. I love this. And then number four, I can be God confident. I didn't say self-confident. I can be God confident. Who's your confidence pointed to? It's pointed to Abba. It's pointed to him. My identity is in Christ. 
I'm not a product of my past, but I'm a child of my Father, and I'm secure in what Jesus says about me. That's why I encourage you to stay in the Word and during this fast that you spend much time identifying with Scripture as you identify and as you get to know your Father and you feel Him scoop you up and, and love you. I love when Ramsey comes over. The other day, Donna sent me a picture and it's messed me up. We've only got 10,000 pictures on our phones and cameras and she's not even a year old yet. I probably didn't exaggerate. I don't know a lot. When my girls were little, Donna would pull the blinds up and they would stand there looking out the window for Dad. Oh, I loved it. Daddy's home. Now, it changes a little bit as you get older, but it was pretty awesome. They still were thrilled. My little girl, she's in my study. Donna rolled the blinds up for her and she was standing there looking out the window. Now, when you get a picture like that, you got to go home. You just got to go. You know what I'm saying? Now, you're going, oh, isn't that sweet, Pastor Keith? It is sweet. But I'm thinking about how much the Father's longing for you and me to meet with him every day. And he's just standing there waiting and looking and listening and begging us and saying, hey, I, I, wanna, I want you to come to me. I want to talk to you. I want to reveal stuff for you today. I want to direct your steps. You've been trying to do it on your own. You're not doing a very good job. And I'll never let you go. I won't settle you down. Here, I just want you to write this in the side. He's a caring father, Psalm 103.13. He's a very caring, eternal father. Secondly, James 1.17. He's a consistent father. When I'm not consistent, Abba always is. Third, Acts 17.27. He is a close father. He's closer than the next breath. I'm so grateful for that. I love you, Father. Lord, you're holy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The, the word in the Greek is... It means to be holy. It means to, to, to come to Him. We rehearse the names of God. You're holy. You're above all other. God, I relinquish control to you. Now that's the proper response. In the Lord's Prayer, God's calling you and I to let go. In Psalm 16, 8, I've set the Lord always before me. The psalmist gives us great instruction and he says, I recognize your marvelous name, and your presence goes before me. Your presence fills me. Your presence is continually with me, Lord. I trust in you, Abba. Today, I'm just encouraging you to get close to him. Psalm 95, let us sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, lest it stole him. He is a great king. He is a great God. He's a great papa. Amen? That's who God is. You say, man, you love to brag on God. Folks, if I brag on anything but the resurrected Christ, I have missed my calling. There is one to boast in, and he's the Father. Psalm 103, forget not his benefits. Bless the Lord. The Jews would habitually had a life of worship, and, and, and they would go to the temple, and they would have their prayers daily, and I'm just saying, we've got to return to that. We've got to worship. And I'm thinking, how different will Montgomery look if the next 21 days we get serious about our prayer life and about, say, holy is your name, God. School's different. Business is different. Home's different. Life's different. There's no one like you, Lord. You're above all others. So here it is. Our Father which is in heaven. Now look at the next point. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're talking about kingdom in these days. I'm going to talk about different aspects every week of the kingdom. Today I thought we needed to start with the Lord's Prayer. 
Your kingdom come now. Your kingdom is in the presence. Right now, the very literal kingdom of God is right here in our midst. It's closer than we think. It's in our hearts. It's in our lives. The kingdom of God has come to serve notice that Jesus Christ rules and reigns over all. The kingdom's here. When you show up and you're a believer, the kingdom just showed up. You're like, well, man, that's a tough assignment. Well, Apostle Paul says you're an ambassador for Christ. You're a royal representative of the court of heaven. So when you and I show up, the kingdom shows up. We, we play, we pray, we display the kingdom. We live in a way because one day he's going to split that eastern sky. The voice of thunders is going to speak. The kingdom will set up then. He'll usher in his kingdom here on this earth. But until then, we witness and we show the kingdom of God. Look at this next point. Your kingdom come. Now, give us daily bread. Now, this is probably not my most favorite line in the prayer. Not that I have lines that are favorite and not. But um, I would like for God to just go, uh, instead of give me my daily bread, give me my yearly bread. How many do I have that would get on that boat with me? Well, the rest of you are not telling the truth. All right, let me do it this way. How many of you have a refrigerator at home? Raise your hand. Oh, some of y'all don't have refrigerators? And you have a freezer. Do you have any food in the freezer? Huh? All right, now, some of you. All right, I'm going to pick on me and Donna and the rest of you. I want to. How many of you have another freezer on top of that one? Uh-huh, you're like, I ain't raising my hand. This is feeling all guilty. See here, in the Old Testament, they didn't have refrigeration and electricity and all that. So they really understood, give me the daily bread. When they got the manna, they're like, oh, manna, manna's cool. This is before they ate it for a long time. We want manna, angel cake. We're going to have manna. Ooh, man, Bob, you got angel cake? Hey, let's store a little bit extra up in our tent. You saw how that worked for them, didn't you? It spoiled. See, God wanted to teach them. He wants to teach us today. Ask him for the daily bread. Now, literally, there's some people here today, you're just asking for the next meal. You don't know where the next meal's coming from. And you really understand this concept maybe better than some of the rest of us, but God wants us to be a good manager, and he says, hey, I'm here, this 11-day journey, taking 40 years, on ground, manna, what does it taste like? But God says, I provide daily bread. The kingdom of God, it's here, it's among us, it's a society, it's a place, it's a people, it's where we live. The kingdom is here. It's within our hearts. The kingdom is an invisible kingdom, but it, it becomes visible when you and I walk it out. Write that down. You and I, the kingdom of God becomes visible when we die and surrender and walk out the life of Christ. And Christ becomes our life as well as our Lord and Savior. And we rule and trust in him. And the kingdom of God here, it's, uh, a lot of times we look in the wrong places. We think, well, the kingdom of God's at the church. The kingdom of God is within. It's within the heart of those that have invited Jesus Christ to come and set up residence and be boss and be Lord and rule and reign and guide and CEO and director and master and curios and king, sovereign king. Lord, write down just Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. Jesus is always instructing us through the gospel, seek the kingdom. And he didn't say, seek your personal kingdom. We don't have a problem with that usually. We can seek our own kingdom. We seek the eternal kingdom of, of Christ Jesus. 
So important here, seeking him. I wrote down a couple of thoughts here about this kingdom thing. Just write it down if you want to. There's a plan of the kingdom, Ephesians 1.10. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. That is the plan of the kingdom of God, the agenda of God. He shows it. He brings all together in Christ. There's the purpose of the kingdom, Ephesians 1.5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God initiated. God jumped into the river. God gave his love. God lavishly poured out his love in Jesus Christ. That is the purpose. And then I love the progression of his kingdom, the third point. We grow and, and it, we overthrow the kingdoms of this world. And we say the progression of his kingdom. Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come and supersede. May your kingdom override the kingdoms of, the, kingdoms of this world. Now, if we're real honest today, we, have a, we battle. The Christian life is a, is a battle. Jesus calls us soldiers. What do soldiers do? They're prepared to fight. They're prepared for battle. And when it comes to the kingdom, there's going to be a battle going on throughout this life until he calls us home or he comes to be with us. And evangelism is that liberation force. Have you ever thought about it? When we're evangelists or we share our faith in Jesus, we're purposing to liberate others that have been uh, captive by the bondage of sin and they're dead in their sin and we want to liberate them with the good news of the gospel that they might have their sins forgiven and they might trust and know and rest in the riches of jesus amen that's what it is we're a liberation force you're like i don't know about this liberation stuff well i do he's a liberator that's who Jesus is. And look at look at this in verse 12. Then he says, forgive our debts. Now, I don't know about you. Forgive our debts. Forgive our trespasses. Do, do y'all have a hard time forgiving people like I do sometimes? I understand if I'm going to be in the kingdom, and I'm a part of the kingdom, and the kingdom agenda is to forgive and walk in mercy and grace and truth and justice. It's hard. Let me ask you this. An antidote here to anxiety. What is word you lately? Finances, kids, schedules, marriages, health, retirement, love, did, did I nail anybody on any of those? Have any of those things concerned you lately, kept you up at night, woke you up early? Sure they do. They're part of this world, and they're, God's waiting for us to bring our specifics, and we say, Lord, I'll offer them to you. In this Lord's Prayer, you're teaching me to surrender and to offer to you. And I, just, I, I see the beauty of it, but this anxiety thing, I, I love what God does. God, God says, I don't want you to stay in guilt. I want to forgive your sin, and I want to rub it out. I want to cover it by the blood of Jesus. And here's what we say as humans. I want to rub it in. <laughs> I don't want to forgive you. I want to hold on to that. I want to hold a grudge. And God says, man, let go of that. Have no grudges. Don't let that be a part of you. For, for, forgive. Forgive as I've forgiven you. Don't, don't be just a mere human here. Get rid of it. Martin Luther, he walked in holiness, but he walked in great guilt, and he struggled a lot with condemnation. He would confess his sins continually, but he said, I always felt guilty. When I went to sleep, I felt guilty. When I woke up, I felt guilty because I still not ask Christ and forgive me for something else. And he struggled from everything I've read about him over and over throughout his life. I'm going to tell you, folks, Christ does not want you and I to live a life of condemnation and struggle with our guilt. He wants us to forgive that we can be forgiven. Is that a good word, church? And some of you are like, well, I want to hold on to this unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will run you and me every time. Resentment has emotional, physical consequences. It eats you. It's a, it's a cancer. It, it poisons you. It destroys you. It, it, it does 
nothing. It's like God says, get rid of it. I'm going to give you something about temptation here. Look at this. So he forgives our debts, verse 12. Verse 13, here he goes. Now deliver us from evil. Now, I know y'all don't struggle with evil, okay? But y'all can listen, okay? Five keys to temptation. Number one, I am to recognize my weakness. I am weak. I am powerless. Christ is all-powerful. And I struggle with this. And, and James 3, 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. Everybody in this room stumbles. Everybody in this room struggles with temptation. You, you'd be deceiving yourself if you said you don't struggle. Some of us have some of the same struggles. Some of us have different struggles. But I assure you, you're not alone. There, everybody in this room struggles with different commonalities and things. And, and Christ says, recognize your powerlessness. Here's a couple things. Denial. If we deny that we struggle then we find ourselves in a place that we're not going to grow. The other thing is despair. Despair is when there's self-pity, there's paralysis of the soul, and we just go, oh, I can't do any better. Oh, I'm a stupid person. I'm a dumb person, and I'm, just, I'm in despair. I'm powerless. I can't do this. And we give up. Don't give up on God, okay, church? Just trust him and, and run for him and say, God, I recognize that I'm powerless. But the second point here is I refuse to be intimidated. I don't know, but intimidation is, is one of the tactics of the enemy. I, I love football. You probably figured that out. And in and, and football season, you know, it's easy for a team to intimidate their opponent. And if the team doesn't wake up to the intimidation, they get slaughtered. Now, I could get you to fill in your blank with your coach. There are some very good coaches in the SEC and other parts of the country that will help a team kick out of intimidation at halftime. Have you ever seen them redirect at halftime? Anybody ever seen that? Yeah. I mean, the other day, watching my great fun Tigers, and we thought we were going to maybe win one. We blew them out first half. They had some reassessment at halftime. Some things kind of changed. And apparently, we were the underdog, and we didn't know it. And at halftime, things kind of change. And, you know, and then the game, you know, comes out. It's a great game. Hey, I'm not, the, the point is this. Don't stop. It's, it's, don't let the enemy intimidate you. I'm going to tell you, there's some area in your life you're struggling in, and the enemy just says, you'll never, you'll, you'll, you'll never win at that. You'll never overcome that sin. You're a loser. I'm intimidating you. I am Lucifer. Whatever. You go, oh, man, I won't. I'll always lose at that. I'm saying, church, rise up this morning in the power of Christ. The third thing, we request help from God. God, I need your help. Psalm 50, 15. Then call on me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. That's what God wants to do today. He just wants us to give him glory and honor and praise. And the fourth here is refocus. We stop our evil thoughts. Like right now, um, we move toward what we're focused on. Do you all agree with that? You focus on something, you move toward it. Like, let me tell you where I'm not going today. Have y'all ever been to the mall and they have this scent that's heavily? It's called Cinnabon. Now, I, I promise you, Pastor Keith would not be a very good fasting pastor if we had a Cinnabon next door. I would be, I mean, you know, I just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay away from Cinnabon. Do I have a witness? I mean, you're like, well, like this morning, I walked up, and some people aren't fasting. We have guests, no condemnation, praise God. But they had donuts sitting up there on the shelf, you know, and they had fruit. Now, come on, guys. Donuts are fruit. Believe, you know. But the thing is, I, I, you know, I ate enough sweets anyway, and I was like, hey, man, fruit, fruit, fruit's the, the new food of the kingdom. And it's awesome. Okay. 
But you move toward that. The fifth thing is you resist a tempter. James 4, 7. You know, he talks about he will flee. Let me give this to you. I, I, man, I could, I could preach to you for days. And, oh, man, I'm running bad. I knew I prepared too much. All right, here it is. Write down these points. This might help you today as I try to wrap it up. Fight. You got to fight, James 4, 7. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. In this fast, in your life, resist the evil one. And the Bible says he flees. Number two, follow, James 4, 8. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Follow hard after Jesus Christ every day. Third, 2 Timothy 2.22 is flee. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Lord, I want to flee my sin. And the fourth would be this, feed. Feed your soul. Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That, that's the bottom line that we're trying to get you to do in this fast is feed. Feed on Christ. Feed on the Word. Feed on the Spirit. Be full of the Spirit and see what God will show us and what He'll do. So here in this thing, when I forgive our debts, deliver us from evil, and then let's move to this quickly. Then he says, yours is the kingdom. Verse 13 there. Power and glory are yours. God, I'm going to seek your kingdom above all other things. But all, all of this, I want to show you something that I think is really powerful here, is that there's, look at it here. He's talking about there's, there's the, the kingdom, there's the, the power, there's the glory. And God wants to fill us with his power. How many of you think God wants us to depend on him for his power every day? Sure he does. And in these days, I'm asking you, like I do every day, depend on the power of God to be your strength and to be your might and to run after him and the glory and the splendor and the beauty and the magnificent that belongs to him he is the almighty and he inhabits the praises of his kids for all eternity God we want to run after you because we want to be kingdom players and kingdom people this morning I'm just begging you to begin to pray this prayer begin to look at it begin to study it on your own and say Lord I want to draw close. I want to know you. I want to worship you. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for this morning, for your children, and for the opportunity to gather. And Lord, you are faithful. You're the king of heaven. You're the king of the Jews. You're the king of Israel. You're the king of the ages. You're the king of the glory. You're the king of the saints. And you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We bow before you. You are holy. We worship you, Christ Jesus. We've come today to declare your praises and say, Lord, all through Scripture we're reminded through dozens of Scriptures that you're king. And you're the king of the kingdom. May we be subjects to the king today. That we can live out and display the kingdom of Christ in this world to a lost and dying generation. Lord, I pray today somebody would call on you right now. They would cry out to Jesus and they'd ask him to be their savior and their Lord. And they would trust and they would begin to walk with you and have fellowship with you. You would deliver them from the dominion of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of light in the son in whom you love. You are faithful, Lord Jesus. We worship you.